It's so far me and Bruce listened to uh, Wind and Pain. It sounds fucking. Honestly, it sounds really fucking good. Let me get this baby printed up. Listen to a red eye now. From Super High Quality Records, this is the Super High Quality Live Drugs Podcast with the War on Drugs. Adam Granovsky, Robbie Bennett, stage, stage center, left, keyboards. Uh, Charlie Hall, guitar uh, drums. Dave Hartley, bass. I stand by Anthony, Anthony Lamarca, stage, stage right, right. Matches, guitar and keys. Uh, horns and auxiliary keys. Uh, stage left, rear. You getting all this, Dom? You getting all this? I'm Dominic East, and this is part one. I'm recording. All right, Adam. You want to talk about It's the Wind? Yes. What, like the vibey version? Yeah. How did that version that is on the live record come together? I remember it was the... um Second night in uh, Copenhagen. I remember during the show, we played it probably in the middle of the set. And I remember I got turned around and we did it the normal way, full band rocking from the top. I remember I got turned around on some of the uh, changes and the whole thing kind of fell apart. And But we just kind of laughed it off and stopped it and probably went into pressure or something. And then at the end of the set, I remember um, feeling like I needed to redeem myself with Ice of the Wind. So I think I just started strumming, like lightly playing the chords. We had kind of sometimes been messing with it in soundcheck, trying to find like a different version of it. And then Robbie, I remember, just like started playing out of his mind. I do remember Robbie lifting off. And was really kind of um, transforming it like in real time, like in the moment, it was like becoming clear what the song could be. Yeah, we kind of rolled with it and played the first verse and first chorus, kind of just piano and acoustic. And then everyone kind of, you know, fell in at the same time. And it was uh, one of those things that you can't really rehearse. You just have to let it happen for it to uh, start to make sense. I was like, oh, I don't remember the best pressure or this or that, but I remember Copenhagen Night 2, Eyes to the Wind, I got to get those multi-tracks. And when I finally found them... They had not been recording. <laughs> <laughs> so we did not actually have that, that actual moment. But, um, but yeah, that's how I remember it. Copenhagen night two. Copenhagen wind. Was that during the show or was that at soundcheck? I feel like I have a, a different memory of it, but it probably is the wrong memory. I feel like a lot of times I go back and examine these memories and I check them against Adam's like essentially photographic memory of these venues. But I, I was, thought it was soundcheck too. Well, there is actually a way to figure out what happened in Copenhagen in November 2017. What's going on? Hey, I was uh, going through the set list from Copenhagen, and I, I don't have any notes that indicate that there was a version of Wind that fell apart mid-set. We played it, we definitely played it in the encore. Yeah, that was the first time you played it with the acoustic guitar, Copenhagen Night 2. Yeah, that was awesome.
Sometimes, not every night, but once in a while, it's nice to inject something new that you only thought about that very moment. You know, it's not something that I've been thinking about all day, like, oh, I can't wait to throw, throw everyone for a loop at 49 minutes into the set, you know? Those are some of the, the best moments where everyone falls right in and, like, gets it. You know what I mean? No one's, like, throws their hands up. is like, I don't what's going on? You know, it's like everyone just, like, adapts and, like, it's always musical, you know? It's cool. it up I clipped I clipped my pro tools I think I had back off the compression <laughs> it's always so fun to reinvent a song um, you know like so many of our favorite live records it's like the, the version on the live record um, or a bootleg is like different than what you know is the recorded version. But that one, I just felt like with the way that we had been set up and like the way the band was sounding, that one could be reinvented in a way that felt like almost an evolution, you know, instead of like a reconstruction or something. It just sounded like it could be a piano ballad. It could be just, you know, just synths, who knows? I also remember that one being a little that the wind Copenhagen wind being a little bit born of like frustration like sometimes you just want to like smash something because it's not giving you what you want like why isn't this lifting off the way it normally does like let's fuck it up I switched to doing like the the synth in the beginning I guess I started doing the 12 string whenever Adam started playing acoustic on that so it didn't change except it changed all the instruments you play <laughs> <laughs> well, I would normally just play acoustic. Yeah, we were playing it pretty close to the to the record for a long time. Um, until I think we kind of began to stretch it out on the last cycle with Robbie. Hey, Robbie. Yeah. Robbie. <laughs> Robbie. He's sitting down. It must be serious. Robbie Bennett over here in the piano room. Man of many moves. I think that sort of evolved as I think our show evolved to Adam doing some like, on the lead bass, Dave you know, Hartley. just talking to the crowd a little more. I think we started playing as like kind of like background music to that, and it just kind of kept floating away. Um, I think that was kind of the evolution of it, and it just kind of kept stretching out. I think as as you know the tours went on and. Yeah, I, I think it just started going to this place where it, it became um, more like the soundtrack of a moment, I think. Yeah, I mean, you just start feeling yourself in this like moment that seems like a little surreal and kind of cinematic. And I think of something like a, 
you just kind of like playing to this idea of this sound, you know, rather than like really trying to play into the song, you know. Listen to live records whenever people change arrangements and there's the first time they start singing is when everyone kind of like reacts and cheers. And that's like pretty special to have a, have a song like that, you know? Um, it means it's cause it's like those moments where you can actually just in, like have a back and forth with the crowd. Like you kind of part of, I, I guess like stretching the intro out, and reinterpreting a song live is to kind of start a dialogue with the crowd and maybe let them understand that, like, or let them know that we're not going to let you know what the song is until you really know what it is, you know? Yeah, it's cool, too. Like, you kind of let Robbie kind of surprise you because he always goes on some journey there at the beginning. So, you like, you kind of have to listen and be like, is it time to come in yet? Or is it like, I'm just going to let him keep exploring me and Robbie, I'll give Robbie a quick look, and that usually means like I'm about to come in on the acoustic, but it's only like a split second where he has to like pull off the keys maybe for a second. When you all just like launch in together, you it's easy to get on like autopilot, but when Adam and Anthony or whoever Adam and Anthony and Robbie start together, it like I know it for me, it forces me to like stop and listen to the band and get out of just being like I'm shredding through my parts here. You know, it, it sort of makes you stop and just listen to things and like um, take in the ambience. And I know Charlie and I are always like, kind of we'll, we'll catch each other's eye and just sort of listen to the music and look at the venue for a sec, just taking stock of where you are. It's a nice, it's those moments in the set that I think any band would love where like you can like take a, a break without really taking a break, you know? Like you just create like a beautiful moment with just piano and two keyboards, you know? I sort of feel like, like talking about specifically this version of this song is it's like a good analogy for like the whole spirit of like being on stage, you know, setting the tone for kind of every show where it's like you have to be paying attention because things might change at any minute. Even if you are, you're so rehearsed and you've played the song 75 times every night for two months or whatever, like... You're still looking, you're still reading the crowd and reading the energy of the room. I'm a sailing down here on the wind When I met you And I fell away again Even if we'd been rehearsing the idea of having a stripped down version you would never know until you just like play it for the people just rattling the whole way home have you fixed your eyes to the wind will you let it pull you in again on the way back in I'm just a bit run down here at the moment Let me think about it, babe Let me roll it 
big part of the band is figuring out when we're not all listening to each other, but we're trying to follow someone or something. There's a lot of like listening to you and letting you steer the ship. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, we're definitely one, one instrument in a way in that song, like the acoustic and the drums are definitely one thing. The song can really breathe, and so like if, if you lean into, you know, if, if, if he's leaning into his, his drums and, and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do the same. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes we'll let the tempo go too, like as things build, like we'll just, you know, give it a little bump and, and just go with the flow. I mean, that's the thing about the song that's so beautiful is it really is sort of most, most nice. It, 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 it does flow. Leave it hanging on the line, lost inside my head. Is this the way I'll be denied again? So I set my eyes to the one. But I won't be I mean, honestly, it's, a lot of it is just trying to stay present with the song, and you can't stay present. I can't stay present if I play the same thing every night. There's just no way. Um, so I have to, I just try to make it fresh, you know, in small ways, but also in a way that reacts to, the, you know, trying to react to the energy. Of if, if like, Adam's fanning John with the fucking Eagles towel, like, and the crowd, you can feel the crowd sort of like start, start fucking pumping. And, you know, you just kind of want to be a part of that in a way that is not intrusive. It's like six guys. Having a blast. I'm just a bit run down at the moment. And I'm all alone here. Living in darkness. I believe I was instructed by Adam or you, someone was like Copenhagen Wind. I was like, oh, that's like the acoustic vibe, Eyes to the Wind. Once that version of Eyes to the Wind started coming together, I don't think we ever played the other version ever again. I think once that kind of solidified itself as like something that was evolving every night and something that was like a real moment kind of between the band and the and the crowd, I don't, th I think it kind of, it didn't need to be stated anymore that we were going to do the acoustic Copenhagen version. I think it just became, it became its own version of wind. I think it's, it's like an inside baseball thing now where it's like always like Copenhagen wind, but now it's just what eyes to the wind is live. The, I remember the first time we ever played it was in Australia. Um, when we went over before Lost in Dream came out as a four piece and we played it, you know, the best we could at the time. Um, and like no one had heard that song or the record or anything. We played it in um, Sydney. But I remember we played that song and it was like, I remember people like responding to it in a way that I never experienced like as a, as you know, with our music before. So I, I guess from then on, I always knew that, Maybe it was one that, that, you know, did something for people. But yeah, I don't know. It just kind of evolved into something that, for me, was like more compelling than whatever the original idea was, you know? At, on that tour at the time, 
it felt like our best song or something. It felt like the song on the album that everyone loved or something. You know what I mean? I don't know. It felt like a really special song at the beginning, the first year or two. So special that I felt the need to take like a three-minute chorus flange fuzz solo at the end. itself is like as much a part of the song so like it is such a nice moment to have a live version that is kind of free of that i just think this is a song that like was never going to be its truest self until it deviated from the recording because the recording had something raw and like immediate about it and like you can't execute that you know what I mean? By its very nature, like executing that over and over again can't be done. It needed to be, to capture the spirit of the recording, you actually needed to de deviate from it. Um, and there's like, a lot of times you play a song, and you play it, on t play it on tour, and it like evolves very slowly, night to night, and then you'll like listen to the, you'll, listen, you'll, hear, you'll hear the album, and you'll be like, holy shit, we're playing this like so differently. I thought we were playing this a lot like the record. I think at some point, maybe that frustration that we were talking about that happened in Copenhagen was like, it needed to be exploded a little bit, like, and not try to emulate the album. I guess the reason I remember it from Copenhagen like that was just because it just felt like we weren't rehearsed on it. We didn't, we hadn't played it 200 times. It was just like, you know, the kind of the one moment we had to like, on any song to just throw something out there and see, see what happened, you know? It's cool because like, I didn't think of this till now, but like, you know, everyone kind of has a different memory of, for for of Eyes to the Wind, like maybe what night we played it or what, what we did or how it arrived at this new arrangement. And like all the kind of artwork we're doing is kind of hinting at that idea of like, the, like, that for us as like performers, everything is kind of like a dream. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like this thing that's not really that defined. Like, you can't really, it's not like a crystal clear Instagram picture of like a show. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like blurry and like, you don't really remember everything when you're on tour. And that's cool that everyone kind of, it's like six different memories of like how we ended up at this this thing that on the record feels so thought out and so defined, and yet we can't even really pinpoint how we ended up there. I started doing more uh, Juno stuff at the beginning, which was fun for me, just sort of getting into that more like floaty mindset. And then in terms of the sax at the end, as I think everyone here knows, I hate, I've always hated taking <laughs> sax solos. This pumpy sax solos. Even though it gets bigger at the end in the new version, it's still just because the whole arc of the song 
is different and sort of has a much more like emotive character. It's always felt to me that the new version ends up feeling like it wants a more lyrical part at the end, sort of a slower, less ripping and more melodic sax part at the end, which is a kind of playing I prefer anyway. Remember, we even tried like an alto before just to see if we would, if we want to pull off the Clarence thing, and it didn't even. It felt like too much. Yeah, too much. Even though it feels in the abstract like both the old version and the new version end up like big, it's a different kind of big because of where it came from to me. The only thing you, I feel really compelled to do is like, walk off feeling like we really played a great show and that we all had fun and that we all connected and and that that people enjoyed themselves and you know it gave them hopefully it as memorable a night as we had if i ever feel myself like whatever like having an off night or just not being like present on stage it's like always trying to remind myself that like the people in the audience are only seeing one show of the tour it's it's easy to lose sight of the fact that like yeah I'm experiencing this every single night and it's easy to like kind of lose the focus fans have been waiting you know it's like hey, like anyone if you buy a ticket for a show you're excited about it and you're anticipating it for months or weeks or whatever you're doing it f for them not for yourself the the ethos of the band is not necessarily about dynamics you know, a lot of, we have a lot of songs where it's like about just cruising and like finding the like pulse and like trying to hold it to this place. You hold it to a, for so long and, and like almost like hypnotically, which I absolutely love. And it's like one of the core tenets of the music. But so it, that, that makes the dynamics of wind even more dramatic because here you have something that's different every night everybody's listening to each other everybody plays a little differently every night the tempo is can can change according to the vibe you know and even can change like consciously within the within the song certain songs let everybody play in a different way you know and and like ice the wind is one of those or there's more room in certain kinds of songs and with ice of the wind like that space mixed with that, like the emotional kind of like arrangement just leaves, like every night there's so much room to to improvise in those four chords, you know, or stretch out or play as much or as little as you want. Wind is the song, I feel like maybe I'm missing something obvious, but I feel like more than any other song, the length of it is variable. But then the end, 
I feel like sometimes it's like we go through those chords like three or four times and sometimes we go through them 30 times. I'll even like be inspired to keep going because I'll just find some like strumming pattern that I'm into, you know, that I don't necessarily think is the loudest thing in the mix, but I'm like, oh, like if it's sitting where I picture it sitting, I just found this cool like strum that I hadn't found before. I'm just going to give it a couple more. You got to find the right moment to just be like, that was that, that those last like 15 seconds was so magical. Let's, let's, let's get out. The Super High Quality Podcast was put together by me, Dominic East, with help and support from Adam. Audio mix by Andrew Guerin. Thanks to the guys in the band, as well as our amazing crew. Craig McQuiston. Bob Strake, Lawrence Eves. Matthew Walsh. Ben Silverstein. And thanks also to Caroline Klein and everyone at Fort William Artist Management. The album Live Drugs is out now on Super High Quality Records. Thank you so much. Anyone else memories of Copenhagen? Dread Mahokis, baby. Talk about that catering. Well, the second night was that weird fish. Maybe that contributed. Dread fucking Mahokus. <laughs> Is that where you got the Dread Mahokus? <laughs> no, but that was like day four of Dread Mahokus. Oh, was it really? Because Dread Mahokus was Oslo Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. Uh, wow. I, was over, I was over it by then. You bounced back quicker than I did, and I was still, <laughs> I was like knee deep in Mahokus. <laughs>